0: Hello everyone, welcome to the Parkscope Unprofessional Podcast Hour. My name is Joe, and tonight I am drinking a wonderful Are We Having Fun Yet? from Hoof Brewery, for Mike, because he's not here. Are We Having Fun Yet? Who also, um, they also brew a beer called We're Doing It Live. Lane also, by the way. <laughs> Just saying. Also joining us tonight is Lane. Lane, how are you doing? I'm wonderful. I'm drinking a Southland Brewing IPA from Savannah, Georgia. That sounds very lovely. Also during, joining us tonight, and drinking with us, but maybe not beer, but we'll talk about that in a second, is Mr. Dave out from Heroically Hollywood. That sound, uh, did I do that right? Heroic, uh, heroic Hollywood. Oh, yeah, heroic, uh, sorry. Yeah, and not-
1: I am drinking a tall glass of water because, sadly, I am out of beer.
0: Oh. That's, that's a sad face right there. So, yes, um, Jay's going to join us a little bit later uh, to talk about the Wizarding World Harry Potter at Universal Studios Hollywood, because this is actually his first... Wizarding World have you been to. Indeed it is. So that's going to be a cool thing to cover along with his review since I think that was an incredibly well done review and if, you, if you're going to like pause this and do something else, read the review and then come back and listen to us, but whatever. Anyway, so I believe it was early last week uh, news came out that Tom Staggs will be leaving the company on May 6th and by the company I mean the Walt Disney Company because that is the company. He'll be leaving May 6th. He'll be staying on as an advisor to to, um, Bob Iger, just like Jay Razulu did when he left after uh, the CFO position. Um, This is really interesting because everyone believed Tom Staggs was to be the replacement of Bob Iger. And that's everything is now out the window. Like, Bob was supposed to retire in 2018, I believe, and Staggs was supposed to come up and replace him, and now there's a bunch of rumors about what's happening. So, Dave, do you have any thoughts on this, I guess? <laughs> uh, best case scenario
1: is that Kathy Kennedy becomes the new CEO of Disney, but what? I don't think we are that lucky.
0: Yeah, I-, I think she'd be a good choice. Lane, thoughts? I say outside hire. Outside hire? Outside hire. Kathleen
2: Kennedy has enough stuff to run, she's doing a pretty good job of it.
0: Yeah, I, I mean, I think Kathleen Kennedy would be a good choice, um, and, and I, I, I think Jim Jim Hill brought up like, hey, you don't like, you don't create two vacancies by moving someone out of it out of a position.
2: No, Len said that because he was talking oh, about wide receivers that. in the NFL. Oh, okay, Len said that. Never you mind. Don't, you don't put your wide receiver two to wide receiver one. You take your three and move him to one, so two can stay at two. As ever- if you're an NFL person, you'll understand that. <laughs> As
0: everyone can tell, I'm the baseball guy. Lane played football in high school. <laughs> so, not, not, not my kind of thing. So um, this is just really interesting because this compounds with all the news of, hey, Avatar's $1 billion. My Magic Plus could be $2 billion. Shanghai is like 3 or $4 billion over budget. Um, Bruce Vaughn left... Walt is Imagineering. He was kicked out. All this stuff has just been piling up. And as some other people pointed out, it's like, hey, there's not many people left from when My Magic Plus was proposed, (laughs) which is really odd. Um, But do you have any other thoughts on this, Dave? Just kind of just go off and we can all spitball off each other on this.
1: Oh, I don't know. I mean, I'm glad that it's not going to be Tom Staggs, but I'm not exactly hopeful for that whoever else they're going to get is not just going to be another Iger 2.0. I think they'll just it'll just be more of the same, probably.
0: Yeah, they just have another Iger in a vat. And yeah, they just, they've it's literally they've got a whole 2. succession of clones uh, yeah. lined up. It's like the Venture Brothers. They just pull another one out, and he's ready to go, just like when he started. Um, I think what may happen would be an aqua hire. Situation. Um, I think it, it, just like when Apple got rid of uh, Gil Emilio and they brought Steve Jobs on, they hire, they bought out Next and brought Steve mm-hmm. on. I could see that happening either by Disney being acquired by someone and getting a CEO that way, or Disney acquiring another company and getting a CEO that way. That's which just, in turn is Kathleen Kennedy stepping in. If you think about it, but th- I'm saying, I'm saying a new acquisition, not. acquiring someone in like I'm not saying retroactively doing it (laughs) I I mean
1: there was that sort of out there rumor uh what was it like a year ago um when that with this whole deal between Sony and Marvel with Spider-Man Disney's trying to position themselves to buy Sony Pictures so I I never put much stock in that rumor but that's something that was floating around about a year ago
0: that's that could be really interesting. Sony, uh, Sony Pictures, and or even hell, just Sony. I mean, spin off all the stuff you don't need, like PlayStation. I mean, there's talks about you know spinning off the PlayStation brand and a few others, and you're left with music. Like, do they still have, own Sony Music and stuff? I think I think, they have,
1: I think so. recording
2: labels and stuff.
0: Yeah, so that could be that could be an option. Um, so right now we're just left with a lot of questions. A lot of the answers we've gotten were basically a vote of no confidence. The bigger question being, why would there, why was there a vote of no confidence? Um, and we just don't know right now. So that's really bizarre. Um, and I think we all should pay Ken, uh, close attention to, I believe it's May 3rd is the events, investor call? I'm not sure. Yes, yeah, 2nd or 3rd. 2nd or 3rd. Mm. So that's going to be something we should listen into. Um, see how they um, talk about this, um, secession plans, and also how the parks financing is doing. So, Lane, do you want it, it it's great, Joe. It's never been better. Never been better. Never been better. You can't touch us. Yeah. <laughs> Bruce huh? the the desperate irony when Bruce Vaughn is done with his garden leave and ends up at Universal Creative <laughs> is going to be it's going to be like, "Hey Bruce, never been better. Can't touch us, right?" And he's like, "Grumble grumble. i going to I'll finish Fast and Furious in Florida. Grumble grumble." Um so Lane, do you want to um Segue into the uh, Disney Cruise Line real quick. Oh, yeah. The other
2: upper-end announcement was, I'm looking it up, uh, Tom Warbler leaves Disneyland Paris to return to leadership at Disney Cruise Line. So I think he was the one running Paris, and I'm following Paris kind of close these days, and they apparently just can't keep an exec long enough to have any continuity over there.
0: They're sort of like drummers for Spinal
2: Tap. Yeah, and, and now that they're owned mostly by Disney, they're just this weird middle step in uh, being an administrator at Disney. So this guy just hopped back to the cruise line to oversee, I guess, more of the ships coming in and, you know, more responsibility. But he's not, like, even in charge. So the number two at Disney Cruise we know ranks over the number one at Disneyland Paris. So that was an interesting (laughs) thing. And the girl they got, I just looked this up, she was, sorry, the woman they got is currently Disney's managing director of Australia and New Zealand, (laughs) <laughs> and that's been working globally for the Cover of years. They pulled a lady out
0: of Australia. That's literally the other side of the country. Like, <laughs> like, hey, of the wor- Not hey. country, the other world. Like, you could put a, a line through France and it goes to Australia.
2: <laughs> that's so, right. That was, that was just them having a revolving door of administration where no one sits on that park and cares about it enough to make it any
0: better. Yeah. So what it's about, what about um, the summer 2017
2: Oh, sorry. They released, uh, this is the other cruise tidbit for this week. They released Summer 2017 Itinerary, um, which is an exciting day for travel agents and, you know, nerds that like to book. and Testa. Um, Len Testa. Scott Sanders is probably probably still stressed about it. Uh, the we were, Somebody was quoting real ridiculous numbers, and I was looking up uh, two guests, one stateroom for uh, Summer next year. This is uh, August 1st. You can do a 12-night Mediterranean cruise from Barcelona. Inside cabin, $7,200. Ins- For any cabin, $12,000. Oh, my God. For 12 nights. What a nights bargain. All in the Disney magic. So I, I'm i going, and I'll be able to tell you after my trip whether that is worth it or not. Um. So we shall see. This is just a ridiculous set of numbers. And, uh, okay, here we go. 12-night Norwegian fjords and Iceland cruise, Copenhagen to Dover. Uh, so this is twelve nights inside cabin, six thousand dollars, veranda fourteen thousand dollars, concierge thirty four grand. <laughs> you can get a Chevy Tahoe, or you can go on this Disney Cruise. Jesus Christ! So that was you your can, uh, Disney Cruise update. You're there swinging for the freaking fences.
0: You could get a Model Three for the price of twelve yep. day cruise. You want a Tesla or twelve days on the Magic? <laughs> <laughs> That's fantastic. Oh wow, that's fantastic, but I mean, like, how much does like an interior room normally cost? Uh,
2: normal normal's relative because these are kind of like weird once, like weird pluck them out kind of nights. Like yeah. that's the same as asking how much does the uh, not necessarily one to one, but like how much does the poly bungalow cost? Because it's like you don't really pay, or how much does the Cinderella Castle suite cost? Because you don't really ever pay that and go to there and like who knows cuz they use variable pricing who knows if this is their one week number and mm-hmm. then those numbers will cut in half for the next week so the when i was watching prices for the cruise and i've been looking at it for probably 2 years now disney basically prices theirs accurately so they their price doesn't really go up until the last like month or until occupancy gets up to i guess 80 90% Mm-hmm. And this, I think they're doing a different model. I guess they ran their software different. They said, "Okay, let's go really expensive at the start and trickle up that down." That's what every other cruise does. So it's mm-hmm. smarter about other cruise lines later, and smarter book Disney as soon as you can because their price supposedly trickles up. I don't see how something could trickle up from thirty-four grand. <laughs> but. it's the Walt Disney Company. Don't question it. So July thirteenth, twenty sixteen. If you want to go on a twelve-night Norwegian, oh, that's this summer. That would make a difference. There's probably one room left. But still, you can get a Norwegian Fjords cruise for thirty-four grand. Jeez. <laughs>
0: uh, or you can help pay our college loans. Whatever you guys want to do. Okay, so that was our hot Disney Cruise Line moment. Uh, also, real quick, um, they're rolling out the My Magic Plus uh, improvements including booking the fourth Fast Pass Plus on your phone. Yay. Or you can um, see your name on a LCD screen in the queue line for Everest or Rock and Roller Coaster. Ooh boy! Yeah, that was worth that two billion. So that was your thirty-second My Magic Plus update. <laughs> so also, yesterday came out that um, the news that Tower of Terror is opening a quote unquote everyone take a drink bar. Um, they they, they were talking about a themed bar in Tower of Terror, and then people were like, oh, it's the Tip Top Club. Oh it'll have these a lounge and drinks and all this cool stuff. Uh, what they're just doing is they're taking the removed food and beverage from when they closed the streets of America and they're just moving it into the old uh on-ride photo printing area for Tower of Terror. So it's going to be like at the back of the um the the gift shop basically when you exit the ride. So Bad trombone. Yeah. I mean I would love a t- like and that's the thing, is like Sean oh, we're talking to Sean about this and he's like awesome, great. Trader Sam's or Jock Lindsay's but Twilight Zone themed. Wonderful how, Yeah, that'd be great. That would be awesome. How great is that? Like you could actually have the little um the little uh like what was it? The little um, machine that you put the quarter in it gives you the fortunes mm-hmm. on your desks. And you can have all these great references. And it'd be oh, yeah, so cool.
1: Just- gobs and gobs of stuff you could do with a Twilight Zone themed bar, but you know, it's just going to be a regular uh, food and drink stand, yeah, so it's, it's kiosk.
0: A, yeah, it's going to be a, it, and yeah, that's good work, it's going to be a kiosk, it's, you know, it's going to be like any of the other, you know, plastic roll around things they put around the parks it'll have like two mixed drinks that are really bad, pre-mixed drinks that are bad and mm-hmm. like your domestic beers so, it's it's disappointing, but there's so much potential there, especially so
1: there you go. But why do you something nice when you can do something that's just okay?
0: Yeah. I've <laughs> Disney's Hollywood Studios. <laughs> yeah, that, that's pretty much it in a nutshell. Um yeah, just okay. I mean, I would love to see it, but it's just not what it is. And so there you it's go. It's not
2: great or outstanding.
0: It's it just exists. I mean, and it's not even gonna be the best, like, temporary bar. I mean the best te- one of the best temporary bars is the one they have in um the bl- the Brown Derby, because they're trying to model it after the Carthay Circle model. So they have like martinis and stuff, and you get to sit in like a little lounge area.
2: But they that has a lounge. Or yeah, that, that has a porch lounge.
0: Yeah, so different yeah, menu. Yeah, no, exactly. But I'm saying is you can do something, but they're not doing anything. So, I don't know, whatever. Um, so that's that Tower of Terror bar rumor. So um, next up is about last Friday they dumped this little bit of news. Uh. Rivers of Light is now under an indefinite delay. So they announced, I believe it was maybe a month ago, that April 22nd they're going to open Rivers of Light for everyone to see it. Then they didn't update any of the park hours. So people are like, what's going on? The park's still closing at 6. Why are you saying Rivers of Light's going to open? And then this Friday they said, hey, guess what, guys? We're going to have to delay everything. Um, including the nighttime safaris, um, all the nighttime entertainment, and we'll get back to you in the middle of May. <laughs> so we're not sure what's going on right now. There's um, two prevalent rumors right now. One's te- um, technology uh, issues. So there's a lot of GPS. With Rivers of Light or with the safari? Uh, with, with Rivers of Light, maybe I, I should be very clear about that. With Rivers okay. of Light, there's a lot of GPS trackless boats like actual boats that are going to travel around that um are very complicated and you also know,
2: I I think it's so hard to do GPS in attractions and in theme parks. I don't see any company in Orlando doing that anytime soon.
0: Well, GP- okay, let me use, say this. GPS that is was a, a shorthand. Kong joke. Yeah. Okay. Well, well, Kong doesn't use GPS, but like they're using a trackless non-driver technology. So it could be like drones, it could be Wi-Fi, it could be whatever, lasers, who knows. Um, the other one is that it could be like a World of Color, like creative redo, um, and that's something I've been hearing from a few people. Is that hey, just like with World of Color, the executives saw the show and did not like it at all, and they're asking for rewrites at the last minute. So, with World of Color, was that before it opened? Yeah, it was like it was. From what I understand,
1: it was like weeks before it was. It was supposed to open, and Iger came in and basically had them do a page one rewrite and totally changed the show, and he did it twice. He did it with the original World of Color, and then he did it with World of Color Celebrate, and I suspect in both cases, just from what I understand, that we got the worst version of both shows.
2: I I wonder what those people say by worst, what they mean when they say worst. Just less cool, like, more characters and less
1: Well, like, with, with Celebrate specifically, I know that part of Iger's whole thing was we need to push Star Wars really hard with this, we need to push Frozen really hard with this, and it's just such a weird mishmash of things because it's supposed to be a 60th anniversary celebration show, but instead you have... It stops in the middle so that you can play let it go in almost its entirety and then at one point it (laughs) literally plays the trailer for the force awakens which has nothing to do with the parks or the 60th anniversary so it's just a a total shit show
2: so so like not even worth seeing it's bad seeing the original okay that answers that question
0: yeah it's it's not good. And and I like what World of Color got, but even then, from what it sounded like, the original show was supposed to be. It was supposed to be way more classic and a little bit better put together than just, hey, pirates. So, I don't know. Yeah, pirates
2: the, and fire.
0: E- even even the first show, which is the one that
1: most people like, it, like it has weird pacing issues where it just... It, it builds up to a climax and then it just grinds to a halt and then it builds up to another climax and just grinds to a halt. And I, I I have to wonder if the original show was like that, or if that was the result of the last minute changes.
0: Yeah. I, I was, um, Googling around today for, uh, the old Al Lutz article talking about Iger coming and making changes. And what, one thing I did find was someone uploaded the original world of color background, um, well, not background, but the original soundtrack to it. So you can listen to what the original World of Color soundtrack was. And there's some differences and there's a lot of similarities. Um, but I mean, it's stuff like, hey, you know, Heimlich, you know, all that stuff. That was going to be like in the first nine minutes of the show instead of going into Old Windmill, for example. So it's a lot of weird stuff where it seems like they've chopped it up and kind of remixed it and added things that people wanted. So it was kind of weird, if that makes I don't sense.
2: Think- I, it wasn't a it wasn't a cohesive show, and I was I kind of thought that was on purpose. I thought it was just a random playlist of five or six songs with some cool fountains.
0: Yeah, no, no, it was they were going to do land, air, and sea, I believe, or land, oh, cool. sea, and air, or something like that. And then they were going to um, then do villains after that, and then the whole entire love montage, or you know, after Simba. Um, you know, finds his dad and all that stuff, and then which
1: is really weird positioning for it.
0: Yeah, it is. But they, they were gonna. That, but that was gonna be the Chernobog leads into that scene. So, and then after that comes the. Or, or are you talking about the love after the death?
1: Yeah, it's okay, like yes. <laughs> yeah, Mufasa's dead. So now let's move into uh, a romance montage.
0: Which is even weirder in like the old one because they were gonna do like the um, Tangled song right after that. Oh yeah. So just like what? <laughs> What are you guys doing? So, yeah. yeah. And, and they, they also got lit rid of Little Squirt that um was supposed oh, yeah, to be this the... um it was supposed to be this red fountain that was supposed to, like, tie all the segments together, like this magical thing created or whatever by Walt Disney's words or something. I forget.
1: And, and there's, like, a weird artifact of it in the final show where the last fountain that turns off is an orange one. Uh, and it kind of, like, supposedly takes a bow at the end. Uh, and that's left over from the original concept, but there's nothing else of it still in the show.
0: Yeah, and also if you look closely during the uh grand opening of World of Color, uh Steve Davison, the show director, is wearing a little squirt pin. So did you ever see that?
1: I think I did, yeah.
0: Yeah. So I always thought that was a little subversive and kinda of funny. But yeah, so that was completely removed from the show, so Rivers of Light We Hardly Knew Ye. <laughs> I have a thought on this. Okay, Lane.
2: I don't think there's anything wrong with anything. I think it's a marketing ploy. (laughs) Okay. Explain
0: yourself. This is my conspiracy
2: theory. Okay. That they're holding back all of the things. Because they ran the the vehicles. The screens were in place at the Safari. The animals were in place on the Safari. The show is done. It can open in two weeks. No problem. (laughs) Mm -hmm. My thought is that instead of dropping something in April that you're waiting to throw it out right before summer starts, right when people are starting to book vacations, when you can open, when you can say, hey, we have something new at all four parks, which is what they love to say all the time. Oh, we have something new at all four parks this summer. I think they're waiting on Frozen, they're waiting on something else, and they're all just going to go, Disney World is open now. Well, they're already doing It's a marketing
0: ploy. They're already doing that. I, I was on AccuWeather today, and they're already doing the four parks, a whole new experience thing, so like, I don't know what they had for the Magic Kingdom, because there's nothing new at the Magic Kingdom this year. But they said there was four new things at each park. So they were like, Star Wars, and they had Rivers of Light, which is real weird. Rivers of Light, Star Wars, Frozen, and then fireworks over the Magic Kingdom. So, Oh, listen, travel
2: agents were talking about
0: Rivers
1: of Light. I was like, guys, it's not open yet. See, I think it's got to be just a case of them shoving characters into it, because this comes right on the heels of Zootopia making all the money in the world, and right at the time when The Jungle Book is getting really positive early reviews. And so I bet you anything when that show finally opens, there will be a lot of Zootopia and a lot of Jungle Book.
0: And a, lo- and a lot of people rewriting history. Oh, we were always going to have characters in there. Oh, this mm-hmm. is always supposed to happen. It's like guys the, no no <laughs> The Witch Doctor storyline would have been crazy. They may still keep that, but who knows? I don't know. I don't know. I'm sorry um, for it. I'd like it to open. I want I'd, it like, to, I'd like to go to Tiffin's. I want it to be good. It not just Tiffin's, I want to go to Nomad Lounge. Anyone, Bueller, Nomad? I'll consent to that. <laughs> okay. Nomad Lounge is the awesome rum bar they're gonna be opening in Animal Kingdom. Yeah, it's gonna be like a legit, real good bar. Inside, unlike the other bars everyone swears about that are outside. Oh, nice. And you sweat your ass off, and you get a really crappy mixed drink, and all that jazz. Oh, yeah,
1: Animal Kingdom is miserable just all the time. It's a gorgeous park, but it's so hot.
0: It's It's awesome at night. It is nice at night. The one time I got to do that, like, back in 1994. (laughs) But it is nice at night, I do have to say. So, let's Move on. Uh, um, Real quick, King Kong updates. Today they showed testing with uh, team members and Universal Creative members. Breaking podcast news. And also we got some video of them test driving the vehicles outside with possibly an audio animatronic driver. Are
1: you sure it wasn't a screen, Joe? Because I, I don't think Universal does audio animatronics. It's just screens. You're not sure, just sure if it was a
0: screen or not? Well, I'm not sure if it was audio animatronic simply because it. we don't know. It was weird. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it wasn't a screen, though. It did not look <laughs> like a screen, but it was also still like... It looked like a cross between like like some, some sort of articulate kind of dummy that actually can talk and move around a little bit, like the goblins. But also, it was like a dude, and he looked really skinny, and I don't know, it was weird. Um, who knows right now, maybe they'll give us more information soon. Um, but we're not sure about that. So that's the Kong updates. Maybe soft openings next week, maybe the week a- week after. We don't know. Um, but, you know, watch Twitter, you never know what happens. Also, join- um, also joining us. Also happening is the uh, Wizarding World of Harry Potter at Universal Studios Japan added their interactive wands finally. Um, so they added a new wand show, actually. So, on the stage they do the Frog Choir and the Tri-Wizards Spirit Rally, they're doing a show now where they pull someone up from the audience, and, like, they teach them how to do spells, and they have special spells they pull on stage. Like, they do a Wingardium Leviosa spell, and they have, like, the feather goes up, and they have a bunch of other stuff. And it's, like, Japanese and English so it's a little weird, but it's cool. So it's Hogwarts Training Academy, pretty much. It's exactly <laughs> Hogwarts Training Academy, except, Vol- robes? except Voldemort doesn't come out, and the new <laughs> and the newbie doesn't instantly defeat them. So, <laughs> hey, I'm into
1: it. Anything, anything has to be better than the two shows that we got. Ugh, they're so bad.
0: Well, that's the same shows that every single Hogsmeade has. So, mm-hmm. um, and then in addition to that. Uh, they added a bunch of the interactive wand experiences, including two new ones that are not available anywhere. Um, one of them is near where the Dragon's Challenge entrance would be. It's uh, a giant kind of like two-story house with a chimney. You do a I forget what incendio spell, and fire like shoots out of the chimney, like like a good 10 foot flame. And then another one is a mediax spell. I don't know where exactly it is, but it's like in a little alcove area and you do it and it snows and you can go in the alcove and it's like a snow machine in there. So that's cool. You know, hey, I wonder if
1: that's back behind Honeydukes, because that's the only place I could think of where you could do something like that.
0: It's possible. I I haven't been to the Japan location, so I don't know where it would be. Um, Or I'm thinking maybe it's in that Spur Street, if they have that also there that you guys have. I don't know. But yeah, so those are those things. Hopefully they come this way, especially the, the show, because God, we need a good show in Hogsmeade. Oh yeah, but we're gonna get to that in a second because we just ran through this uh, stuff real quick. Uh, so, Dave, you wrote up you. This is your first Wizarding World you've been to. Yes. Um, the first one you've been. You're a Harry Potter fan, give or take, right? Fan. Yeah, I,
1: I I was not. I did not get in on the ground floor. I. Uh, i was in i came into the movies first i actually watched uh sorcerer's stone on dvd and then that's what got me into the series and i picked up all the books i think the first four were out at the time and uh burned through those and then wondered why i had to wait for the fifth one um uh like everybody else and yeah ever since then i've been big fan of the series and uh really excited for wizarding world when it opened in islands of adventure in 2010 i was dying to get out there but never got the chance and so now that what there's one like half hour or more depending on traffic drive away from me it's la what can you do yeah i understand Um, (laughs) uh i Jumped at the opportunity to go, and so uh, I think they started soft openings, what was it, President's Day weekend, something like
0: that? I think the <clears official throat> the first date was February 12th.
1: Yeah, something like that, and I, I didn't make it to the first one because I was working, but I made it out that weekend, and I've gone a few times since and came back for the opening day, and I just love it to pieces.
0: Yeah, and you wrote a great uh, review on, hero- on Heroic, not Heroically, Heroic Hollywood. Um, it was like a good like four-page article. Um, I, I think it was very fair i think you praised and you gave really good criticisms that i haven't heard before some of them so do you kind of want to go through kind of your experiences um through soft openings and then eventually through um the opening
1: yeah so um i mean from the the california perspective the the closest thing that you can compare it to would probably be cars land but i think despite the fact that wizarding world is a lot smaller than carsland it blows it out of the water. Uh, just the the level of attention to detail and craftsmanship on display just tops anything that I've seen uh, Disney do in a long, long time. Uh, and where just from the macro level, as you walk in, everything feels right. But then as you continue to explore and look around, down to the micro level, just there's always something new to find where... When you kind of zoom in on the details in Carsland, it starts to fall apart a little bit. It makes a really strong first impression, but then you look into some of the window displays and you're like, oh, that is just a pyramid of Clorox wipes with swapped out labels. Uh, and, and that is literally one of the window displays mm-hmm. in Carsland. Land. Um, but the... But yeah, Hogsmeade is terrific and just wandering through all the shops is great and then you've got the rides. Uh, Forbidden Journey is astounding. It's uh, It's got to be the best e-ticket attraction I've seen in probably 20 years or more. Um, again, I think its closest equal is probably Indiana Jones Adventure and I think this is more of a complete experience than that is. And I like Indiana Jones Adventure a lot, but there's moments in that attraction where you can see kind of the spots where the budget kind of ran thin a little bit, uh, where it's like, oh, you've just got skeletons painted on the wall with blacklight paint. Okay, it it works, I guess, but it's not necessarily the greatest thing in the world. Mm -hmm. Um, But uh, Forbidden Journey is a much more... Complete experience from front to back, where it, it doesn't feel like there's anywhere where they're skimping on the details. Uh, the one complaint I do have with Forbidden Journey is the atrocious 3D conversion we got out here. It's so bad. Uh, it, it, like, I mean, the ride is still great, but that aspect of it really kind of bums me out. Uh, it's if you if you remember going to the movies after. Uh, Avatar made all the money in the world, and you had movies like Clash of the Titans trying to cash in with quickie 3D conversions, it's that level bad. It mm-hmm. it just really stinks. And uh so so that's a bummer, but the rest of it is really great. Uh the the one issue I do have with just the broader land as a whole is the not the sight line so much, because I think there that's something that people have complained about a lot, but when you consider how teeny tiny, uh, universal studios, Hollywood is the way they managed to wedge it in there is really impressive. And I think once those trees start to grow in, most of those problems will kind of erase themselves. But the thing I take issue with is the, the parts of the forbidden journey show building that are just left completely unfinished in full guest view. Uh, because this is the third time they've built this thing, and it's the same problem again and again and again. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I can, I kind of get it with the first iteration, because they were working on a much more limited budget. But at this point, they know this thing is a proven money maker. They have the money to do it right, and they're just kind of taking the if it ain't broke, don't fix it approach, when it kind of is broke, and they kind of need to fix it. Mm-hmm. And to their credit, they have done some work since the soft openings to address those issues. Um, the The sides of the show building directly facing into Hogsmead those have gotten uh, sort of a faux brickwork uh, treatment, which which works. It's not it's not ideal, uh, but it works. Uh, and then on the other side, they painted what was once a beige wall white and I'm not sure what they're doing there. Hopefully that's not just all they're doing with it. Hopefully there's something more going on, but mm-hmm. uh, by the time it opened, it was still just a plain white wall, which was strange.
0: Yeah. And also you get, um, they painted the uh, mural on the Shrek through 4d building. Oh yeah. Too, and that's,
1: yeah. that's kind of, eh, whatever it, it doesn't bother me too much. It's not great, but it's it's better than just leaving it a plain white wall. And I think it's a problem that'll address itself in a few years when they finally tear down
0: Trek. Hopefully. Please get rid of it so we can get rid of it, too. It's never going <laughs> to die. It's so bad. Just put it on Netflix. It was on Netflix forever. Isn't
2: it
1: on Netflix now? I think it still is.
0: I look, I looked it up and it wasn't because I wanted to make the joke, hey, guys, I'm standing in line for... for uh, for Gringotts, and I'm watching uh, Shrek 4D, ha, 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 and I couldn't find it. so.
1: I, I remember when uh, Shrek 2 came out on DVD. I think Walmart had Shrek uh, 4D bundled in with yeah. the, the DVD God. of Shrek 2 with the, the cruddy red and blue 3D glasses.
0: Oh, that's fantastic. Oh, man. And just get your kids to stand next to you shaking the chair and spraying water in your face. <laughs> it's exactly the same. You it's don't have perfect. to waste yourself. Yeah, you don't have to spend the $95 getting in the park for it. So um, I guess uh, besides Forbidden Journey, you've done the food and beverage, right? What, do you want to kind of explain your thoughts on that? Because there are a few um, unique things just at Hollywood.
1: Yeah, so um, the the food and drinks and stuff are all really terrific, at least from what I've had of it. Uh, three Broomsticks food is great, which is especially good because there's not a lot of great food options at universal Hollywood. Um, the, the Simpsons stuff helps, but even this is head and shoulders above what that is. Um, and, uh, then of course you can't talk about wizarding world without talking about butterbeer. And I am, I was not quite a believer at first, but I've, uh, I've found my way into the faith. Uh, and I am quite fond of butterbeer now. I have tried, what, I think four of the five kinds we're supposed to have. Uh, the the regular, the frozen, the fudge, and the potted cream. We were supposed to have the hot butterbeer for the opening day, but uh, that did not happen, and I don't think my heart will ever recover from that tragedy. It's pretty good. Uh, <laughs> I, I can't wait for them to finally have it out here uh it sounds wonderful um i also am i'm also a big fan of the pumpkin juice which i was not expecting uh it's really good
0: have you had it on tap yet uh i have yes i have okay that's the pumpkin fizz and that's that's where it's at that's the stuff that's good (laughs) and then uh it and what works about it where
1: i think Uh, Disney kind of misses the mark in this category is it's all stuff that is unique to not only the world but to Universal Studios. You can't go anywhere else and get a Butterbeer. You can't go anywhere else and get a, a pumpkin juice. These are things that exist within the world of Harry Potter and now exist exclusively at Universal. Where What Disney is trying to do to copycat that success is they're taking things like they're taking things that already exist, like frozen apple juice or cupcakes or uh, slices of pizza with weird toppings, and giving them giving them uh, funny names uh, to try to make them sound like they're part of these worlds. But they're not only do they not exist within the fiction, but you can go out to you can go out and get a frozen apple juice for half the price it is at a Disney park, and it's. It's not something. It's not a treat. It's not something special. It's just. It, it, it kind of feels. You you see through what they're doing there. It mm-hmm. it it feels like the the crass money grabbing scheme it is. Where there's something, what's so almost insidiously brilliant about what Universal does is they make they make the way you interact with with the world they make buying stuff like an essential part of the way you interact with the world and it's it's this weird thing where uh on a certain level i am kind of skeeved out by it because they it's like i said kind of insidiously brilliant but it's fun it, it, it's super duper fun and they made it I, fun and, and that's what's That's what's both terrific and scary about it is they make it so much fun to spend all of your money.
2: (laughs) Like You can can poo-poo on the wands, but when – and Joe was there the first day we did it in Diagon where I sat there as a grown man at 8 in the morning. I was like, I'm going to go get one of those wands because I'm going to go play these silly
0: wand games. Like this is going to be fun. Well, I, well, Lane was there when I got picked for my wand. Yeah, and
2: you're like, this is this is a good time. Like we're all having fun here. And you then, gotta buy that. Okay, I'm gonna buy that, and then go do it some more.
0: And then after that, we got a beer at 9 a.m. because yeah, we're that was, adults. That was a good it's, day. It's it's wonderful, and I I love it to pieces.
1: And it's it, it's this weird cognitive distance for me because it's like, okay, that this could really seriously be used for evil, evil purposes. But it's well, this, so much fun.
2: The thing you gotta remember, David, is that they're selling to us. Mm-hmm. They're directly selling to us, knowing, oh, yeah, they got 40 extra bucks. We'll <laughs> give them a fun time, and, and we're like, oh, yeah, we're into this. Is, is they're directly selling to us? We are the pretty girl that they're asking to dance. And, if, <laughs> and they, they just like know that it's gonna happen. And I, it's like, okay, give us a good time. We'll keep showing up.
0: And definitely, oh, yeah. I think this critique of, you know, hey, spending money is an incredibly important part of the experience and one that is. Somewhat, kind of a little evil. I would, I, I, maybe evil's the wrong word. You know, it, I think that was a great criticism and insight you had. That kind of went, oh yeah, right. You, I mean, you know, like, hey, you go there, and hey, you buy, you know, your every flavor beans, or you get your chocolate frogs, or you get your fizzy whisbies, or you get your wand. You know, and and it's yeah, that is oh, an an I integral. Think it's just
2: the furthest degree of like like you were saying, is that you know they're trying to sell you more and it'll be more fun when you buy more. Almost everything we do has, we as our kind of age bracket, is you buy this and you're kind of upsold some more things because it'll be more fun, and they just took it to the strongest degree. You know, Joe, you go to a game, you get a beer. You go to a movie, you get popcorn. Like, I'm going to Disney World this weekend and running a race because, hell yeah, I'll run a $200 race. That's add-on. It'll be more expensive, but I'll have more fun. So they just, like because the wizard world is so fun and so dense that I think they just have done the best job of not necessarily upselling, but just like it costs more, but you're going to have more fun. It,
1: it, it's, it's almost like, it, it's almost like a freemium game where, uh, except it's not free. The It's not free to play because uh, there is a, a 95 plus charge just to get in the door. But yeah, where, uh, you, you can get the base experience for, uh, 95 bucks or whatever, but there's all these other things that are super duper fun and super duper compelling that add to that experience, but each one is going to cost you. And it's this, this interesting dynamic that I, again, I can't deny that it's incredibly fun and incredibly effective. And from a business perspective, it's genius, but just from As uh, I I think in my review I called myself uh, a filthy pinko liberal, Uh, (laughs) it's uh, a little bit – skeeves me out just a little bit. Uh, Again, not enough that I'm not like – I'm not like on some anti-universal tirade or anything, but it's just – Something that did kind of stick in the back of my mind a little bit.
0: And also in the article, you have a picture of you in the robes and with your wand. Oh, <laughs> so yeah. And, it's, and, so you're and, like, and, this feels wrong, but it feels so good. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I, I, It's not like I didn't drop uh, a few hundred dollars on this stupid thing. Uh, and love every goddamn second of it.
0: Yeah, and, and, and I, I think what's something that's really interesting is that the closest thing to Harry Potter, I think, ever created, and possibly like going to be created even with Avatar until Star Wars comes around, has been New Orleans Square. Um, mm-hmm. in, in terms of an experience where, hey, shopping and dining are just as equivalent as going on the Haunted Mansion, which came later, I know, or going on Pirates. Mm-hmm. Um, but with New Orleans Square, though, you can or look a around. Real, or a real city. Yeah. But with New Orleans Square, though, is, like, it doesn't feel like you could look at the nice ornaments or the other things you can buy in New Orleans Square, and it's all nice and good, and you can possibly buy one, but everything at the Wizarding World of Harry Potter ties in to the world you're in way more so than I think any other location has been, especially Cars Land, because Cars Land's the weird thing where it's, hey, they have a, I mean, like, every like, awesome, great. You have the w- giant wheel hats back when Luigi's Flying Tires was a thing. Those look cool. Never bought one. But, you know, like, it's not like like Luigi and Mater and whatever the other one is. <laughs> um, it's
2: not like you're paying gas to ride racers.
1: Yeah, or... or well, and, it's, it, and, and the it characters also doesn't, can't ch-
0: buy it. The characters it, can't buy it.
1: Right, and it doesn't change the way you interact with the land, which is what's... Which is ultimately what makes the Wizarding World model so successful is that uh, these things that you buy are not just cool things, but they directly impact the way you interact with the land in a very literal sense with the interactive wands, but also in a more abstract sense with the robes and the various props and stuff. It's it's almost and the food and beer. Yeah, it's it's almost like this. It's almost like LARPing where you are. You're having this live-action role-play experience, and uh, the more the more crazy all-out you want to go with it, the more it's going to cost you.
0: Yeah, I mean, and plus how crazy is it, like, just seeing, you know, people in, like, your house colors and, like, hey, yeah, Hufflepuff, you know, that kind of mm-hmm. thing. Yeah, and and just people all get it. It's just weird. It's different. It's, it's really, really it's different. Fun. It is fun. So, um, do you want to kind of go in like the shops and stuff? Like, what, kind of, what are your thoughts on the shops and and also the Ollivander's wand experience? I'm interested in your thoughts on that too, because I don't know if you touched that in the review or not.
1: I, I think I did uh, touch on Ollivander's a little bit. I don't think I touched on the other shops uh, okay. as much specifically, um, but no, it's uh, I really do like Ollivander's. It's it's a cool it's a cool moment because it it takes. Uh, it takes an iconic scene from the books and the movies and recreates it and puts you in the middle of it. And I've done it a few times now as, as just an observer and once as a participant. And it's, it's fun either way you do it. Uh, and I'm impressed by how much variety they seem to have in the special effects gags. Cause I I've done it like four or five times now. And I think every time I've done it, I've seen at least one new effect which I, I was not expecting. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's it's a neat experience. It's definitely something that I would uh, recommend uh, for, like, if for somebody going to Wizarding World and they have time to do two attractions, they can, uh, obviously the first one you're going to recommend is Forbidden Journey, but I would absolutely recommend doing Ollivanders over uh, Flight of the Hippogriff. And I like Flight of the Hippogriff just fine. It's a uh, you know, pretty standard kiddie coaster, but nothing nothing wrong with it. But if you're choosing between <laughs> the two, you've got to go with Ollivanders.
0: Definitely. And, and one of the things I really like about Ollivanders is it offers something that I don't think any theme park attraction does very well, which is offering an incredibly intimate experience. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, like, you're like, oh, well, Mission Space seats four people and you're crammed in this little capsule as you vomit on yourself or something like that. <laughs> but but that's like still you're in this giant group and there's all these people and it's very informal. But you have a live actor with 20 odd people in there mm-hmm. and it's incredibly intimate. And I think that's a really special thing because and and, uh, and also it's just crazy because like beyond the special effects, like I've seen Ollivanders maybe 20 times now. And you get to the point where the kids start like influencing the show, or the the um, wand assistants start getting more comfortable with their roles, oh, and yeah, they start yeah. improving. Those improving, actors are
2: so good,
0: improving a lot. Like one of my favorite Ollivander shows, I went to. This guy pulls up two kids, thinking they were siblings, into the in, into the. Um, you know, into the light, you know, may I see you? It's like, are you brother and sister? And like, they're like, no. And he's like, are you sure? <laughs> you know, all that all that thing. And, you know, he's like, and, and you know, they're kind of playing off it and whatever. And then like, they get the wands and all that stuff. And then as everyone's leaving, he turns to the kids and then he says, oh, and by the way, invite me to the wedding. <laughs> so <laughs> it, it's pretty good. Yeah, it, it's that kind of thing where he played off that and it just was instantly a classic. Like we couldn't stop talking about it for the rest of the day. Like, wow, that was good because he improved At the kids are doing well, you know, the special effects are cool, all that stuff. I, and, and what's really good um, about the one in Diagon Alley is that there's virtually no wait. Now it's down to like 10 to 20 minutes max. Oh, nice. So you could usually walk in and get to the next show. So you don't yeah. have to worry about the long lines that happen in Hogsmeade. Because in Island's Adventure, you only have one theater and that's across the street.
1: Yeah, I can't even imagine how bad that line gets. Uh, I think the longest I've seen it... In Hollywood. It's on the opposite... Oh, oh, no, it's okay. It's on the opposite side of the street um, from where it is in Islands of Adventure, I guess. Next to the bathrooms? Yeah, it's... So you've got... uh, So sort of the layout of Hollywood, you have three broomsticks and hogshead, and then... uh, Adjacent to that, or uh, connected with that, is the the bathrooms. Then there's sort of like a... No, wait. Uh, so you've, you've got three broomsticks, hogshead. There's a little alleyway to get to the back porch of three broomsticks. Then you have the bathrooms. And then there's another alleyway that serves as the queuing area for Ollivanders. And Ollivanders is then just right there. All right. I'm not sure if that makes any sense, but it's... Yeah, yeah it's on... It's next to the bathrooms on the opposite side of the street. Uh, And I think the longest I've seen, because we have two showrooms out here, I think Mm -hmm. the longest I've seen the wait get is 100 minutes, but that was on opening day, so that's kind of a different thing. Um, Outside of that, uh, usually an hour or less.
0: Yeah, and I've waited an hour for Ollivanders, and it's real good, but man, that's a long wait for that show. It is, yeah. But yeah I I love Ollivanders a ton. So do you as for, Oh as,
1: as as for the other shops um yes <laughs> I mean uh Bangs is great uh all the the quidditch stuff and I love the the monster book of monsters they have in there um I I still can't quite figure out uh whether it's on a timer or whether there's somebody some process of actually activating it but it's it's neat and I uh it's always fun when somebody's not expecting it to go off and it uh startles them uh and then of course you've got uh the alpost which is neat I love the fact that you can uh send postcards and letters with the the hogsmeade post mark um, the one the only disappointing shop is Zonko's, and the fact mm-hmm. that it's not really a shop, it's just kind of an alcove in the back of Honeydukes. Uh, and, you know, that's that's kind of lame, but I guess at least we have a Zonko's, which you guys don't anymore, which is even more disappointing.
0: Well, we have... Uh, well, now we have um, Weasley Wizard Wheezes. Yeah, that... <laughs> that's a I, little bit better, I think.
1: <laughs> it, it's... I, I mean, I get it. I The, the Zonko's stuff... I'm sure it doesn't sell nearly as well as the Duke stuff, but yeah. just from a, a theming perspective, it would be nice if they gave a little bit more space to that instead of just having it literally be the back wall of Honeyduke's.
0: Yeah, and in Hollywood? Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. And what's interesting is I think it's roughly the same size that they had it back when, we, when ours opened, maybe a little bit larger, but it all, instead of having that half wall, it was like a full floor-to-ceiling wall. And it was like a kind of a wraparound. I can send you a photo sometime soon. But it oh, was it, w- it was a bit bigger, but it not too much bigger. Um and it and it basically had the same stuff that um Wizard Wheezes had, so. Yeah.
1: Um, and I mean I get I, I get it. There's there's some redundancy there, and that stuff doesn't sell as well anyway, so that's why they got rid of it. But it's still just from again, from uh fitting in with the theme of the land, it's it's disappointing that they got rid of it
0: yeah and um I'm trying to think what um do you want to talk a little bit about the uh crazy thirty dollar photo experience you can have oh yeah uh, <laughs> so
1: in I guess for you guys, it's in what would be the the lockers for dragon challenge mm-hmm. um uh in sense there's no dragon challenge here there's no purpose for that particular building, so what they've done because it's adjacent to the uh, the engine of the Hogwarts Express prop uh, they have uh, they have basically a, a little uh, three wall set of a cabin uh, on the Hogwarts Express with like a green screen behind the window so they can put in uh, I- I'm not sure if there's different options for that I've not paid the $30 myself to actually go through this whole process So I, I think
0: they said there's like three different options or something that-
1: that makes sense. Um, but yeah, it's... So yeah, you can get your picture taken in uh, a cabin on the Hogwarts Express, which is kind of neat, but not $30 worth of neat. And even on the opening day, I've never seen anybody in line for it. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't think they're they're selling very much there. It, it, I wonder if they will ever relent and lower the price to something more reasonable to just get more people to do it. Um, Cause $30 is awfully steep for something like that.
0: And that's also interesting because that's the exact same issue we have with shutter buttons in uh Diagon Alley is mm-hmm. like Diagon Alley, a plus 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 knocked it out of the park. I spend hours in there per trip. Shutter buttons is a desert town and shutter buttons is basically you stand in front of a green screen, wave, they put like scenes of you like walking through Gringotts or Hogsmeade, and then they charge you $80 for the DVD. Jesus no one, Christ. No one ever does it. In fact, no one only. Basically, they move shutter buttons. I think it's a contractual thing with the people who do um, the photo system at Universal Orlando that they um, basically like moved it to an area that used to be the queue for Madame Malkins. So they put it in there and then they opened up a new candy shop where um shutter buns used to be. <laughs> so it's just like <laughs> no one uses it. It's just it's just it's this thing where like you buy the package and you do it. No one actually buys the 80 bucks. And, it, and here's the thing. If they charged $50 for it and they said, "Hey, we're going to give you the framed portrait, making it look like you're the wanted wizard or something or hey, here's this well, for a, how about this? 100 bucks, you get this nice like 11, like 11 by 17 printout with like a little digital frame in it so it looks like you're in the newspaper. That would be awesome, but that's not what it is. It's just a DVD. Right. It's, so it's yeah. like... it just they, they, Yeah, they either need to lower the price or significantly increase the value of what you're getting. And what's interesting is that, like, as you said before, hey, everything takes you into the world of Harry Potter incredibly well. Taking home a DVD or a souvenir photo like that is not very harry potter like makes right, sense the,
1: yeah the best thing to do would be like uh a digital photo frame with like a cool custom uh border around the frame but to make it feel to make it fit in the the wizarding world so you have that moving portrait to take home but yeah just a, a dvd is kind of lame
0: yeah definitely anyway i just wanted to throw that out there because man that was such a miss in this experience seems to be also an incredibly large miss, too, which is disappointing. And hey, you know, charge them the thirty bucks, but can't you like at least take people's photos in there if they don't want the green screen? Yeah, I mean that—that's what's weird.
1: Yeah, that, that's that's the other thing I didn't mention is that I guess uh, they they won't let you take it. They won't let you take any pictures in there if you're not uh, forking over the thirty dollars. So even just like a even just a cell phone uh picture you no dice they they kick you out
0: yeah that seems like a real real bad move especially since i mean even like a, a regional theme parks like cedar point for example they have a new thing where you can buy a digital version of the photo for dirt cheap basically so i'm mm-hmm. I mean, it's like why can't you do that i mean i don't need the printout i just want it for my you know my facebook photo <laughs> right it's like charge five bucks for it or whatever so that, that just seems to be a strikeout. But what's really nice, though, is that that is um, a recreation, I think, using a lot of the real props from the movies of the Hogwarts Express.
1: That's what I've heard. The, yeah. I guess the fabric on the seats or whatever is the same that was used in the actual movie uh, yeah. props.
0: Yeah. And, and it also really does match what is offered on the Hogwarts Express attraction at Universal Studios Florida. Or, it does or, look a lot like it. Yeah. Well, they, they're modeled the same, but I think the actual, um, the one in Hollywood, like, has props, I think, actual fixtures from the movie, while well, ours are reproductions, because let's be they're honest.
2: Hollywood. Well, no, let's be <laughs>
0: honest. You put guests in a, in a, in a, in a, in a, like, a room for five minutes, they're gonna rip things off the walls,
1: so, like, Also, we only have one cabin. How many is there on the actual Hogwarts Express train?
0: Oh, yeah, there's, like, 48 of them, like, in total. <laughs> there's like 24 on each on each vehicle or something ridiculously crazy like that maybe probably more let's be honest but yeah it's that kind of thing um and let's let's segue from that a little bit um do you want to talk about a little bit about the props that you guys have because i think there are a few unique props i i I don't know if you touched about this in touch about it in the um review or not but i think you have a few like props like the yule ball dress and stuff like that so so the
1: Yule uh, Cho Chang's Yule Ball gown is the only one I know of for sure that is an authentic uh movie prop, or in this case a costume. Mm-hmm. Um I hear there are others scattered throughout the the land, but I don't know uh which ones they are. I'm sure uh I'm, I'm sure the inside Universal guys would have a better uh a, a better uh, feel on what all of those are. Yeah, and we I just to... We only had some Johns.
0: Yeah, we did. We, well, no, <laughs> we here's the thing. We more
1: Johns up in here.
0: The only thing is that right now, this is going to be a speaker and taking grab-and-grow uh, free zone. Oh, so we can't... Oh, <laughs> grab and goes.
1: No, that, but... That's that's what guys, they should have done. There's just so
2: many of them. There's so many grab and goes.
0: So I just want to...
1: Instead of the, the Hogwarts Express photo op, they should have put a grab-and-go there.
0: There you go. <laughs> Quite literally, there you go. No, um, but it, it, just a side note, uh, Universal Orlando... Universal Orlando. Inside Universal, there we go, did record a um, opening day podcast, like, I think yesterday or the day before, so that's coming up soon, so if you guys listen to this, go check out their show soon, so for more information. Anyway, sorry, Dave, continue.
1: <laughs> oh, I'm, um, I, I think that's all I really oh. had on that front, because, yeah, like I said, the the Cho, Cho Chang's Yule Bell Gallon is the only one I know of for sure. Uh, although the I do hear that the uh, parts of our queue for Ver- Forbidden Journey are a little bit different. Um, like the sort of the the dungeon areas underneath the actual castle uh, is is that true? Because I've not been out to your so, version. So,
0: um, well, first of all, I think I think your defense against the dark arts room has some a- authentic props in it.
1: Oh, that's right. The the
0: the desks
1: uh, are. From the movies,
0: yeah. Sorry, I had to blow my nose. So I mean myself. <laughs> oh, that's okay. Um, these seasonal allergies in Ohio, man, they're killing me. Um, but yeah, no. What I th- what happened was, um, in Universal Studios, um, Florida or Islands Adventure, because that's the actual park name. Uh, what happens is you when you get when when you go through the exterior queue for Forbidden Journey, you then turn in and go into the castle. Like as soon as you get into the castle there's a giant wall with a small door and that's the lockers Mm -hmm. like right there. And you have to then take a tight, a tight left and then a tight, right. You go around the small building, which is the lockers. And then that's your whole entire um, to the left is single rider lines. um, Back left is standard. And then far back is the quote unquote castle tour, but that's our, Express line when they actually put that in line, so right. so that's what ours is. But from my understanding, is what you guys have is it just goes right into that lobby area.
1: So the way the way it kind of works is, uh, you you go through the whole extended queue, then you uh, walk up to the castle itself, and you go in. You go through the archway, sort of underneath the castle in the side of the mountain, and to your right, uh, in between. The entrance and filch's emporium you've got all the lockers uh but it's kind of off to the side in its own little alcove mm-hmm. uh so when you when you go through the archway you're right in the area where you can go either straight ahead for the castle tour uh the first uh stop on your left is single rider and then the one after that is the the standby queue mm-hmm. and then you You kind of weave through there a little bit, and there's the Mirror of Erised and uh, the One-Eyed Witch and the door for the potions classroom and stuff, and then you go out into the greenhouse.
0: Yeah, that's similar to how ours is. I just think it's that initial area where the lockers are, they did change. Thank Mm -hmm. God, because ours... Like, I still hear yours is a mess, but man, ours is bad. Like,
1: It it was real bad uh during the soft openings uh but they it seems like they've kind of got a better handle on how to do it now um Mm -hmm. and it's not been too terrible uh since then the the biggest problem was uh trying to explain to people if you have a bag you have to go into the lockers if you don't have a bag you can go just straight through because you had all kinds of people going well why why is he going and i can't go and yeah they, they've they done a better job of sorting that out now.
0: That feels like something you could do by having someone like maybe 20 or 30 feet ahead and have like a separation in line and be like, and, that's, and, and also like a few signs in several languages being like, hey, <laughs> bags on the right, no bags on the left, you know, like a few of those kind of things.
1: They, they don't have any signs yet, but what they did do is they, they separated it off into two different lines so they actually have uh they actually have uh poles and chains there to physically divide it into two different lines and they have a team member standing at the divide saying, Okay, if you have bags you have to go this way. If you don't have bags you can go that way.
0: Mm-hmm. Which is great. And I'm I mean, I'm yeah, it's just an issue. It's just there's no real good way of doing it. Besides no. I mean and, and that's the issue at Universal, um definitely. And and I really Okay, so here's the thing. At Universal, they always have you putting your bags into lockers, no matter what. Like I, at Disney World, you can go on Rock and Roller Coaster with your bags. Yeah, you can go on a giant and a Tervis. High, yeah, and a Tervis. Yeah, it, it's ridiculous. It's like, like in you can't even go on Men in Black at Universal without putting your stuff in a in a locker. At Disney, they're like, yeah, just put your giant Mickey plush between your legs. You'll be fine. It's like, what are you, <laughs> do? What are you talking about? You're insane. Yeah, it's,
1: it's not as bad out here. I think the only two that you actually have to, that you're required to use a locker beforehand are uh, Revenge of the Mummy and Forbidden Journey. Mm-hmm. Everything else you are okay to go on.
0: Well, and, and what's interesting, though, is that a lot of the rides like um, Dueling Dragons or Hulk... Or, or even Rip Ride Rocket, you can do something where, like, an example, Cedar Point. They have a system where they have, like, four or five trains running at a time. They have four, four or four buckets. And they have four buckets, and they lock each bucket, and they just go through each bucket. So when train one's there, they everyone throws their stuff in the bucket number one. Then they lock it, and they open bucket number two. So bucket number two's people gets their stuff out, and then... The people put it in, and they lock that, and they, it, it's that kind of thing where they could do that, but they're just doing yeah, lockers. And it's like Knotts uh, had
1: something similar where uh, they'll have—I don't know if any of their coasters actually have uh, four on the track at once, but like they'll—they'll they'll have a, a set of cubbies and uh, sort of like a sliding uh, plank that goes across them, and so yeah, yeah, uh, when one train puts their stuff in and then they slide the plank over and lock it and it opens up the ones for the other
0: one. It's a very cedar fair thing to do. Mhm. But yeah, I'm and like just naming it off the top of my head lane, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but it's like Rip Ride Rocket, Mummy, Gringotts, Men in Black, Hulk, Forbidden Journey, Dragons and Dragons.
1: Oh wow, that's that's a lot. That's a that's lot of lo-
2: mandatory Like, in the outdoor coasters, you can't even take your cell phone. Oh, yeah, that's a whole nother thing.
1: (laughs) Yeah, the the metal detectors and all that.
2: Oh, God. I thought that's what we were talking about. Like, they will freaking hold you upside down and shake you until there's nothing left. (laughs) Like, and I quit. I got to love roller coasters. I had to quit riding them at Universal because they would shake you down every time.
0: Yeah, it's. But, I mean, like, I did Rip Ride Rocket last trip. Um, for example, and I walk through with my Apple Watch on, and they're like, "It beeped." And like, I'm like, I pointed to my wrist. They wanted me down. They said, "Okay, you're good." So it's not like, like, oh, you're beeping, you have to go back. It's like, okay, we're seeing, you know, move on, whatever. But I don't know. It's just, it's just so. There's no good way of doing this. I don't know. It, it, it's really weird. It's this weird thing where they have their major thrill rides, but they also like get Disney crowds now. Mm-hmm. as opposed to like Cedar Fair parks where it's still, you know, like, Hey, we get 4 million people. That's awesome. And that's great for like Cedar point and those places, but it's like, yeah, Universal studios, Florida is now like nine to 10 million, maybe more. <laughs> so it's getting weird. I don't know. But anyway, that's, that's kind of my, our, uh, every six month, uh, locker and, uh, metal detector rant. So there you go. <laughs> um, I'm trying to think if there's anything else. Do you want to go into the shows now? <laughs> I,
1: I guess. Uh, there's not much to say. They're yeah. both really bad. Uh, Frog Choir is the most disappointing, uh, not only because it's the worst by far, but because it's the one that's actually the better idea of the two. Because it takes uh, it, it takes its cue from the beginning of Prisoner of Azkaban, the movie. Uh where you have the Hogwarts choir that has the the frogs, but mm-hmm. instead of actually doing anything good with it, they have, uh, it's basically just four college kids singing acapella versions of bad, fake pop songs from the Wizarding World. And beatboxing,
2: wick, this way comes.
1: And, yeah, and beatboxing, and the frogs have, like, like, dubs croak with, like, dubstep wubs. Uh wow. <laughs> yep yeah, it's
0: it's bad it's a very uh, it's a very important spell for your uh webbing frog <laughs>
1: <Whoa>. <laughs> and i mean nobody uh do the hippogriff is bad enough uh non acapella it's it's even worse uh wait, 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 wait roll,
2: roll this one back <laughs> roll this one back this is the first i've heard of this is there a song called do the hippogriff it's it's a is thing it like the monster mash
1: is it like do the bartman it, it, it's uh, in Goblet of Fire, which is already the worst of the Potter movies. Uh, they have, uh, they have a band that performs at the Yule Ball and they do like a couple of uh, fake wizarding world pop songs and okay. do the, Hippo- do the hippogriff is one of them. And that's one of the ones that they brought over into the park and it's bad. Mm. It, it's just not fun. That's- uh the the other show is the Wizard Spirit Rally, which is better, but still not good. Uh, it's just it's just kind of blah. You have uh, you have some girls from Bobatons doing uh, sort of like a dance routine, and then uh, some guys from uh, Durmstrang, Armstrong? yeah, come out and do uh, some. Badly choreographed uh, fighting with uh, with quarterstaffs, and then it just kind of ends. It's there's nothing really to it, and it's what's disappointing is that there's so much poss- there's so many good possibilities you could do for uh, for shows for Hogs- for Hogwarts and Hogsmeade, uh, and they just really dropped the ball in that category. I, I hear the Diagon Alley shows are a lot better, and it's a shame that they didn't. Take some of the lessons they learned there and do something better than just uh, cloning the same crap they had that nobody liked the first time.
0: Yeah. What some also interesting is that the um, Tri Wizards Rally they actually added like a um, like, uh, well, what, 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 I'm trying to figure out the right word for it, like a gymnast to the to the bow bands part of it. Oh like, yeah. Like instead of it just being them like twirling, like there's just, like this lady in a, in a, like a onesie, just kind of like <laughs> doing gymnastics now in the background. <laughs> and that's just bizarre. So I don't know if that was like some sort of thing where it's like, hey, we're going to do this, but the union requires us to have like also a female performer. <laughs> I'm like, okay, fine, we'll just do this or something. That's just really weird.
1: And it, it is weird.
0: And that's what also plays into my Universal Studios Japan thing is like they have a new show now. And they have a show where you can actually, they pull people up and they do wand stuff, and that sounds something awesome they can bring to both parks. Yeah,
1: I, I wonder why we didn't get that out here, because if that's, if that's
0: happening now, they could have easily had that ready for
1: the opening of uh, Wizarding World out here.
0: Yeah, I have no clue about that one. And, 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 and also, you are completely right about the Diagon shows, if you have not seen them. Man, I mean, Celestina Warbeck alone... Bro. David, if
2: you really want to see Joe, Joe cry like a grown man, just let the Celestina Warbucks show happen, and he will mouth the words, ruin it for millions of British tourists, and a grown man will cry, shed a single tear, at the end of Celestina. I, oh, mean, I,
0: hope, I hope to one day witness this. Well, I mean, so oh, it's, it's worth the cost of admission. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, you have, like, okay, here's the thing. The Frog Choir beatboxing teenagers, quote-unquote teenagers. Celestina Warbeck is a swing singer, a black swing singer who comes down with backup singers.
1: And see, I would love
2: that. Let's put it this way. She stole Joe's cauldron
0: and Joe's heart. Yeah. Both were stolen. (laughs) Exactly. And I was pulled up on stage for the show. They have audience interaction um, for um, you. um, What what song is it? You talk the heart right out of me. So like they pull people up and I was pulled up for like the last show of the night because there's like 10 people there. Was it the highlight of your entire life? It was up there. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not saying it was the whole life. Top three. It was. It was because also that trip was when I got picked for my wand. Let's be honest. So, <laughs> um. But yeah, it was great. It's a really good show. And then the oh my god, Beale the Bard. It's a puppet show done with Michael Curry puppets. I, I really want to see that too. Yeah, if you haven't seen the YouTube, just just watch it. Just it's so good. Um, it's really, really good stuff. And they have actual practical effects on stage, which is really sweet. So, anyway, um, trying to think what else is there. Anything else you want to mention about the Wizarding World of Harry Potter? Um, I think
1: we pretty much covered it, unless there's anything else you can think of. Um, Lane? Food? What'd you eat? Um, so... Is there good food at that park? Yeah, it's, uh, well... In the park as a whole, not really. Um, all right. Th- the Simpsons stuff is okay. Uh, everything else is trash except for uh, Leaky Cauldron. Um, but Leaky Cauldron is really good out here. I've heard kind of mixed things about it in Florida, but it's – I have not had a bad meal there yet. I've had like five or six different things there, uh, and all of them have been really good.
0: And I think you guys also have like a prime rib or something out there uh, and, We and yeah, short yeah, we ribs.
1: The short ribs are really good. I have not ponied up for the prime rib yet, but it looks good. Yeah, we uh, we don't have those in Florida. And so. then the bangers and mash are really good. Mm-hmm. Um like the the most the quote-unquote worst thing I've had there is uh the the fish and chips and those are even pretty good. Uh everything wow. else beyond that awesome. has been better. So
0: And I I love the fish and chips at um in Hogsmeade so in, uh, in Florida so that's really good that's really good
1: <laughs> right and, and li- like I said I, I put air quotes around the word worst there because the it, it's the weakest kind of by default where everything is so everything I've had is so good there that uh, what even the weakest thing is worth eating
0: it's like it's like the worst thing to eat at Napa Rose yeah <laughs> <laughs> maybe not that crazy but you get the idea yeah <laughs> God okay. bless Napa Rose. Oh man, I, I have God bless been, it. I love Napa Rose. I haven't been. It, in a while. It's wonderful. Oh man, that's. I would say Napa Rose is up there for one of my favorite restaurants. Period. If not what, my favorite really restaurant, it's really stinking good. It's really it's good. So good. It's so good. Oh my god. Okay, um, Lane. Any other questions?
2: <laughs> None. I just want to talk about Disneyland now, so let's let's let's
0: close this bad boy up. Yeah, do you want to talk about Disneyland a little bit? No, no, You can save it for another day. I'm we'll going in November. Okay, you're going to November. Okay, um, I'm trying to think if there's anything else. Um, Dave, anything else you want to talk about? Oh, I have a one more oh. question.
2: Okay, Land. yeah, is parking actually that shitty? How much is it for you as a AP or a Southern California guy?
1: So to park? I so the the parking now is i think i think it's still eighteen dollars um which is is steep but it's the same as what disney's charging so and i i get it universal wants to disney
2: does disney have free parking for a certain level of ap well universal
1: and disney now both have free parking for the top tier pass um yeah well, I guess Disney has it for the top two now because they have the the signature and the signature plus. Uh, if you want to pay a thousand forty nine dollars a year, um, yeah. But uh, so Universal's uh, platinum pass, which is three sixty five days a year, free parking, all that—that's six hundred dollars, which is crazy expensive for that park. Um, hmm. I have the. Uh, I have the California Resident Plus, which is like, uh, like I want to say like two hundred fifty something days, uh, and ten percent discount on food and merch. Uh, and then, but you don't get free parking. However, uh, there is uh, a subway stop right there. Uh, at what? So if you if you're local and you the The L.A. Metro system isn't like is developed as say New York's by any means, but if you are local, there's really no reason to get the to get the Platinum Pass unless you want to go uh, every single day of the year. And I think that's kind of why it's priced the way it is because I honestly don't think they want anybody to buy it. Uh, they want to make it as unappealing as possible, so that they sell as few of them as possible, and keep people on the lower tier passes, where they have more control over when they can come.
2: Okay, all right, fair enough. I just it, I, I overreact because it blows my mind that it blows my mind that cities have mass transit that's actually useful. So, and in LA, I, I forget that's a thing.
1: Yeah, LA's lanes in Atlanta. Is- <laughs> L.A.'s is getting there. It's by no means perfect, and in fact, in a lot of cases, it's woefully insufficient. Uh, but they're they're really trying, and if you're so yeah, it's it adds like an hour to my travel time, but it, I'll take that hour if it saves me eighteen dollars having to park.
2: Yeah, if it if it picks up your lunch on if it picks up a lunch and a beer on a Saturday, then it's worth it to ride the ride the train. Right.
1: It's exactly.
0: Yeah, and I mean, like Atlanta. I've never had an issue with MARTA. Um, RTA is not very good in Cleveland, um, but I imagine it's better than those things. So can't go wrong. Um, yeah, actually, here's an interesting question for you, Dave. Do you have any questions for us regarding Florida? Um, putting I a, think putting you on the spot here. I know.
2: Known Wizarding World experts, Joe and Lane. <laughs> <laughs>
1: So, I, I guess the, sort of the back alley we have behind uh, Dervish and Bangs, that's just the the exit for uh, Dragon Challenge there? Yes. So, h- how does that work exactly? Uh,
0: does it... It's, it's much small... It, okay, so here's the thing. It's, um, I believe... So, I'm trying to remember this in my mind, and Lane, correct me if I'm wrong, but there's a very small, small, small back alley, and then where most of the back alley for you guys and those um, facades are is Mm -hmm. the actual exit. Okay. So it's a very small cramped area. So it's basically like a five foot, if that wide area and then just a blank wall. And and you can't even really go back there unless you're exiting the attraction, right? You can, but there's nothing back there. Like there's nothing back there. And that's, Actually, a lot of the places where the uh, wand assistants go. So when they leave, they'll kind of exit that way. I yes. see. But other, makes, otherwise, there's nothing back there, and there's no reason for you to go back there.
1: And then uh, in Hogsmeade, where our Elevander's is, what is there
0: on your side?
1: It's um, actually, a bathroom and a facade, right?
0: It's a bunch of facades. Um, I forget which facades off the top of my head, but I believe that's storage. Because okay. it is sort of in this weird area of the park where on the sides you do have, um, in, the, in the back you have Jurassic Park, on, yeah. the, on the far left instead of like backstage area, and mm-hmm. then on your right you have Dragon's Challenge and all that stuff.
2: Yeah, Dawn, so, you have to remember at, at IOA you're walking down and directly to your left uh, on the other side of those shops is basically the lake and Jurassic Park. So a lot right, of the times, right. anything on that left side is back of the house for stuff right there. But also, if you walk literally twenty steps, you're either inside of a lake or almost to Jurassic Park.
1: Right, because all all that's back there, out here, is the the exit path from uh, from Hogsmeade. It takes you back out to uh, Springfield. Yeah. It's all a dead end. end. What was that? Is, it
2: a, is is Hogsmeade in California a cul-de-sac? Like a uh, so. It or does it have an s- exit?
1: So you you enter the way you enter through the archway like you uh, do in every version of it, and then uh, you go back to the end of Diagon Alley, not Diagon Alley, Hogsmeade, and to your left behind Ollivander's, there's a pathway that goes back behind the shops back into Springfield. So it kind of takes you back the way you came, but you're going behind the the shops now, not through the main. Stretch of Hogsmeade.
2: Okay.
0: Mhm. I'm good with that. Cool. Anything else? I think I'm good. Awesome. So, uh, Dave, where can we find you at? So I am on Twitter
1: at David M. Doubt. Doubt is spelled D-A-U-T. I also write for HeroicHollywood.com. Uh, I am doing uh, TV reviews for. Agents of Shield and Star Wars Rebels although Star Wars Rebels just wrapped up for the season and I also do various articles and editorials here and there.
0: And you have your amazing uh, Wizarding World Harry Potter uh, Hollywood write up out there so I loved it. I just read it. I will be oh, linking thank you. I'll be relinking it and I highly recommend to everyone it's probably one of my favorite Write ups because I mean, and here's the thing also is like yes, you are very positive about the good things of Wizarding World, but also you're like very, I think fairly and something I haven't heard before. You know, critical of things like hey, in order to experience this, you have to drop a lot of money in addition to getting in the park. You know, like critical it, in a silly way, not in a mean way. Yeah, <clears throat> well, but but not but like silly as in like like having a fun time explaining it. Not silly as in this is like meaningless.
1: Right, and, right. I, and yeah. I, I don't like my intention was not to like rip Universal a new asshole or anything, but oh. just I, I, I kind of tried to be a little bit self deprecating with it.
0: Yeah, and, and I think you're incredibly fair. I think I think a lot of your stuff you did with Disney and Universal is incredibly fair. And I think, uh, you know, and there's, like, a bunch of people, like, saying, oh, my God, I can't believe he insulted the Thai curry pizza at, you know, that stuff. It's
1: like, oh God, I mean, come on. So You're allowed bad. to insult Thai curry
0: pizza. It's, it's terrible. Let's it's be real It's absolutely here. terrible. But then you can't. Oh, one of the worst things I have ever eaten in my life. Exactly. And then you can't look at the whizzing World of Harry Potter review and go, like, whoa, this guy's just in Universal's bag. It's like, look, at, read this stuff. I mean, do you, do you have reading comprehension, Disney fans? Clearly not. No, they, they just read the headline and then uh, yeah. skip straight to the comments. Yeah, exactly. So anyway, I highly recommend reading that. It is a fantastic read. It's just, it, it's very well done. So there you go. Lane, where can we find you at? At Lane Nichols on Twitter, L-A-N-E-N-I-C-H-O-L-S. Uh, I have
2: a lot of hobbies, so be prepared for that. Oh, I'm going to Walt Disney World this weekend um, for uh, the Star Wars races down there. It'll be fun. They're, the half marathon's is reverse of the Wine and dine course. David, I should have asked you about Shield. I didn't know you do Shield write ups. I just watched <laughs> the most recent episode.
1: I've seen. I have so I, many I, I am not super. super cool. <laughs> I've been tolerating Shield more or less this season, <laughs> so my my reviews have not been exactly upbeat on that front. Awesome. I, I think your so I weird. think
0: your most recent title was anyone if everyone dies in this show i don't care <laughs> <No>. <laughs> or something like that i think something that's like the that. way they
2: ended the last episode they're like well we only have two of us left what are we gonna do
0: <laughs> just keep going
2: that's seriously how they just ended it all right Nichols oh, yeah. on twitter
0: joseph you can find me at parkscope joe you can find all the parkscope guys at parkscope.net we all kind of and and also at parkscope on twitter um we all kind of like use the Twitter account for fun. Why not? Um, we're doing a bunch of new cool articles. I have my f- buddy Jeff on the West Coast. He's writing a bunch of new stuff for the site. Go check that out. He's doing like the craziest rejected Disney ideas for attractions ever. Hmm. I think he's currently writing up the original concept for um, uh, Superstar Limo. Back before oh, prin- yeah. back That's before be Princess be. before Princess Diana died in a high speed chase. <laughs> so and then Aerosmith took over the limo uh no uh, original so n- no sp- we're not going into this not to okay the article. no real quick no real quick originally superstar limo was supposed to be a thrill ride yeah
2: what it think? was supposed to be rock and roller coaster
0: uh no it was not supposed to be rock and roller coaster It was spo- supposed to be just a regular old thrill ride i agree you disagree yep anyway <laughs> anyway well i just have to wait for the article don't we um anyway you can find us at parkscope.net you can leave us an awesome review on iTunes. Subscribe to us on your podcasting client of choice or whatever. I recommend Evercast, um overcast, but whatever. Anyway, on behalf of Lane and Dave and Well, Nick's busy. Mike's I don't Mike hasn't responded tonight, so I don't know what's going up with Mike. He's been weird. Anyway. Mike hates me. Yeah, clearly. Mike just hates everyone. <laughs> I thought y'all were besties. Well I,
1: no, Mike and I are cool.
0: Yeah. <laughs> right. Anyway, anyway, uh, We'll see you guys later. Kungaloosh. Love everybody. Love everybody. Hate everything. Kungaloosh. Kungaloosh. There we go.